This is NPR's Life Kit. I'm Christina Kala. Let's talk about delight, specifically delight in the everyday. Please introduce yourself. Uh, tell me your name and what it is that you do or just how you would introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Ross Gay and, um, you know, I write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I garden. That's Ross Gay. He's a writer, poet, gardener, and the author of The Book of Delights. In that collection of essays, he explores the delights of handmade infinity scarves, loitering, the joy of carrying a heavy bag between two people, pawpaws, even weeds. It's a book I've read many times, and I often gift copies of it to my friends, because it can be so easy to miss the beauty around you. Ross teaches at Indiana University and says he'll sometimes start class like this. Tell me something that was beautiful that you saw on the way to class. And it can be really challenging for people to say that because it feels vulnerable to be like, I thought something was beautiful. Once you sort of admitted that you saw, thought something was beautiful, you've also admitted that you're movable, which I think also is an admission that you have needs. This episode of Life Kit, a conversation with poet Ross Gay on the role of joy in daily life the difficulty of allowing yourself to be moved, and why he thinks it's important to use the word love. So Ross, what does joy look like to you? I'm writing about joy, you know, and it. the thing is I'm, I'm not exactly sure what joy is, and I'm sort of constantly trying to sort of wonder about it and mm. wonder about it with, with other people. But but for instance, you know, I've, I've worked for years on this project called the Bloomington Community Orchard. And within about eight months, we eventually planted this orchard. And it's been just cared for by, um, by so many people. And it's been loved and adored and wondered about by so many people. The sort of feeling of watching those trees go into the ground and all of that labor and all of that care and all of that struggle actually too. Like we were trying to imagine how to make this thing. And we didn't know quite what this thing was, but what we did know was that it would be something that we together could make that might care for people we do not know and might care for people in the future who we could not imagine. Hmm. I can just remember it plain as day when I it was leaving that day. I was, you know, my eyes were welled up and I was just so filled up. And and I was so profoundly indebted to these people. The feeling is is such love for these people um, that we did this for. And when I say we, these people, I mean, it's a lot of people. Um, yeah. And, you know, all the potlucks, all the um, arguments, all the you know, going to get limestone, all the, you know, talking about what kind of, what kind of trees it's going to be, all the this and that, mm-hmm. all of that, um, and not agreeing on everything. <laughs> that actually felt like I, I've been thinking about it as joy, but I'm also going to say, I think maybe that was an experience of freedom. That's so lovely. And when I read your book, I really sat on what you were saying about wanting to be softer and like that mm-hmm. effusiveness. And I think what it offered me is this roadmap or shout, not even a whisper of you, someone <laughs> saying mm-hmm. it's okay to love things and it's okay mm. to feel joy. And it, there's like a lot of freedom in in finding something delightful and taking time with something and then also 
sharing that? You know, you could say one of the projects of the book is to be moved. To be moved is to be connected. <laughs> to be moved is to be alive. You know, to be moved is to be life. And I think for any number of reasons, I also have wanted to imagine the fantasy, the brutal fantasy of, of not being movable. You know, I can't play college football. You know, like my like a lot of my training was to be unmovable, was to be, you know, whatever the words are, you know, mm -hmm. strong is one of those words. And to be movable, it's all kinds of things. Obviously, it's tears and it's it's shock and it's flabbergastment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always see this all the time. And, you know, I teach. I start a class off like this, you know, say something that you love, that you realize you love in the last week or something. <laughs> and not only is it difficult for people, it's so amazing how quickly people, how quickly we turn the word love into like. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. And I have to be like, no, let's let's go with love. Let's go with love, you know? What did you what did you learn that you love in the last week? Which is to say, what were you really moved by? What did you learn that you were really moved by in the last week? Yeah, that I was I was like, this is kind of an aside, but I was doing like a writing exercise with a friend of mine last night and it was mm. to write comically. And one of the statements was, I love it when. Uh, and I found myself turning it uh, sarcastic. <laughs> oh, I love it when this happens. So, yeah, the fact that you're noting that I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> that's so real. I'm telling you, I know it's real. It's real. Like to be like, you know, I love it when when you just touch me on the forum and say, are you okay? I love it when you, you know, drop off seeds for the garden. I love it when, I love it when, that's an awesome exercise. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that. In my yeah. Yeah. I think the experience of being moved, which then I think suggests the experience or the understanding of one's need puts us into this other thing, which is like, oh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You know, we are constantly in need. We are constantly being moved, which makes gratitude kind of a, a deep and, and hopefully a fundamental aspect. All of this kind of makes me think that life is like, it's, it's kind of always trying to make you hard to something. You know, we use words like toughen up, mm -hmm. preparing for a fight and how being mm. cool is not showing emotion and not mm -hmm. being excited about things. Um, and here you're writing about your deep love of vegetarian <laughs> burger patties and <laughs> the way you write about almost kissing lilies or irises mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. smacking a sneeze guard because mm -hmm. you're just laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it also, for me, was kind of an example of not necessarily needing to conform to the way mm. that you're being told that you need mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. I guess I wonder if it also feels like a revolution toward towards that messaging of having to be hard to things. I think I think it is. And it feels like an in internal revolution, of mm. course. Um, you know, even like when, you know, toughen up or like dominate the day or crush this, all of that, all of that language, which is really pervasive, you know, and like, it's always about separating oneself, you know, mm. all these ways to be the best, you know, I'm, it feels to me like really important to do something else and to do the opposite actually of toughening up, you know, 
that there's something truer to softening up and to being moved and to being in need and asking the flower, how are you doing? <laughs> you know. I think that also makes me think of we're using these words like softer, effusiveness, gratitude. Mm -hmm. And then like one thing I see so much of also is generosity mm. that like was very much prevalent in um, the essay umbrella in the cafe. <laughs> um, and, and I'm just going to read the like sort of last bit of it, which which yeah. I just love. Um, <laughs> do you ever think of yourself late to your meeting or peed in your pants some or sent the private email to the group or burned the soup or ordered your cortado with your fly down or snot on your face or opened your umbrella in the bakery <laughs> as the cutest little thing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> exactly. Me too. I know. Me too. But we do with other people. We would all the time. Hmm. So often you see someone do that and you just are like, man, sweet thing. You got, you know, your, your flies down. You got to pull your, pull your zipper up. <laughs> or whatever. You got, you know, you got some snot on your face. <laughs> How do you um, cultivate that kind of generosity for yourself? Yeah, good question. You know, um, you know, one of the things I think is actually like a true thing, and it's again, it's about need and it's about um, being beholden to other people is that I have people in my life who love me who are like, you're okay, you're okay. Yeah. And even in the midst of my own feeling not okay, which is um, plenty, um, to have people be like, no, no, you're okay, <laughs> is profound. Um, and it's also profound, you know, to like enter a forest hmm. where, you know, the forest is also probably going to say, you're okay. You know, that's been my experience. The forest is going to be like, you're okay. I guess in a certain kind of way, I'm trying to sort of, for myself, to like love myself regardless. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, that's... Lovely. It sounds so simple. <laughs> it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. I mean, and um, for me, I guess for myself, it feels like a, a pretty regular, um, a pretty regular struggle to mm -hmm. to do that, you know. And and when you say like practices, like I have one of these essays in here, and actually, I'm kind of inclined to read the last um, paragraph of it if I could. Please. <laughs> It'd be and an it's honor. Called, okay. <laughs> it's called Coco Baby. And it's um, this is how it how it finishes. And I'm sort of talking about like, you know, oiling myself. When you watch yourself in the mirror oiling yourself like this, wrapping your arms around yourself, jostling yourself a little, it is easy or easier to see yourself as a child. And maybe even a child you really love. It is easy if you decide it which might be hard to let the oiling be of the baby you. Or at least I thought so today, looking at myself, whom I am so often not nice to. But the baby you, you oil until he shines. Oof. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Oh man. That almost brought me to tears. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it seems like one of the ways is like, man, how how would you treat the baby? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and 
again, we're talking about softness and mm-hmm. fighting against being hard. But like, I feel like this effusiveness and this like generosity um, is also so often equated with with being mm-hmm. childlike. That's right. And it's used sometimes as a way to put someone down or like make mm-hmm. them smaller. Mm-hmm. But there's so much bigness in it, I guess. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It is, um, it is the biggest thing. It is the biggest thing because that kind of effusiveness or that childlikeness, what it is, it's like when you see a kid who, you know, like sees a cardinal and like, ah, <laughs> screaming because they are like, oh, my God, what? how is that possible? <laughs> you know, it's because they are connected to the goldfish. They are connected mm-hmm. to the cardinal. They are connected to the, you know, the magnolia tree. They are connected to the person who has those, you know, wheels on their shoes and they can like roll around. Like, what is that? You know, <laughs> it is, it is, it, you know, it is kind of, it is so big, you know, and that's part of why it can feel so, I think probably daunting or vulnerable. It's because you're like, I- I'm connected. <laughs> I'm movable. Yeah, I have some friends who like some poems we'll read and like share with each other. And it's like, oh, my heart grew three sizes. Like it feels like Mm, we bring back that Grinch analogy often (laughs) of being like, oh, wow, I let something in. And somehow I feel more expansive, like I can hold a little bit more of the world in me. That's totally it, you know, and even I can't remember exactly how it happens in the in the in the in the Grinch, but like actually, you know, for the heart to get bigger, there's breaking happening, you know, it's like (laughs) it has to change shape. It might have a different shape to it, too. The heart can get bigger. That's writer Ross Gay. His book is called The Book of Delights. An excerpt of this was originally published in an episode of Code Switch. For more Life Kit, check out our other episodes. There's one about how to get into poetry and another about how to start journaling. You can find those at npr.org slash lifekit. And if you love Life Kit and want more, subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash lifekit newsletter. And now a completely random tip. Hi, this is Chris Castillo. And my life hack is, I liked your article on winter outdoor activities during the pandemic. It's best to plan activities midday when the sun is probably the warmest. Don't forget to wear a hat and double socks with any shoes, boots, sneakers that you wear. If you've got a good tip, leave us a voicemail at 202-216-9823 or email us a voice memo at lifekit at npr.org. This episode of Life Kit was produced by Megan Kane, who is also the managing producer. Beth Donovan is the senior editor. Our production team also includes Audrey Wynn, Andy Tagle, Claire Marie Schneider, and Janet Ujang Lee. Our digital editor is Beck Harlan. I'm Christina Kala. Thanks for listening. <laughs>